Well, good morning. That's a, a beautiful morning, isn't it? And you'll be pleased, I hope, to know that we're going back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 23. <clears throat> but before that, you know, we're living in very sad, evil and wicked times. I, we, we just have to look out on the world and see what's happening. And within Christian circles or within Christendom, even things are a lot worse, get worse day by day. You know, we'll soon have Halloween and all its associated demonic connotations. But this week I was again reminded of the dangers to young people from pop music. The world of pop music is accepted by many today as being harmless and just a culture which is for the young and just a phase which they'll all pass through. You only have to <coughs> go around uh, on any day and on building sites and cafes and in cars. There's a continuous stream of music being played. I can never understand the words of most of these, but presumably most of the young people can understand the words. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a whole drug culture inexplicably mixed up with this pop culture. And yet parents encourage their offspring, their children, to attend these festivals and uh, gigs and all the rest of it where this lifestyle flourishes with all its associated dangers to these children and young people who attend them. And those same parents would probably think their children were going astray or had, uh, had a screw loose if they told their parents that they had committed and turned their lives to Jesus Christ. And yet now it is common to hear pop music played at funerals and weddings in so-called evangelical churches. I, I remember years ago a, a doctor whose husband was also a doctor, but he was an alcoholic. And she wasn't far off it, but she was complaining to me that her son had become a Christian. And I remember saying to her, you know, if he'd become a drug addict or something like that, you'd be worried. And she reluctantly agreed to me that she would have been, but she was complaining because her son had become a Christian. And what put this all into my mind again, I was read a, a bit about a thing called horrorcore, horrorcore. And it's a, it's a form of rap music of the worst kind. It has a huge following in America and here in the United Kingdom. It focuses on things like Satanism, cannibalism, murder, suicide, rape and all, all those kind of things. A BBC documentary I saw ages ago 
uh, about this in America, it said that this rap music has a massive following right across the U.S. You know, the, the pop uh, music used to have a festival called Woodstock. They call their festival Wickedstock. There's a man, one of these rappers, who was a totally amoral man, Richard McCroskey. He performed under the very appropriate name of Psycho Sam. And he sang in his songs about murder, mutilation, and all to a mind-numbing uh, backbeat of music. He had a song called My Dark Side, and he said in it, You're not the first, just to let you know, I've killed many people and I will kill them slow. It's the best feeling watching them take their last breath, stabbing and stabbing till there's nothing left. And this rapper now has been charged with killing a Presbyterian pastor. And the authorities said he will probably be charged with the murder of three other people, including two children. And this whole music system is influenced by films horrible films. There's one called Child's Play and the other one, strangely or not strangely enough, Halloween. And you know, as usual, those involved in this kind of thing will defend it. There's a guy called Andre Shim, owner of record company called Serial Killin' Records, K-I-L-L-I-N. And he says, people shouldn't judge McCroskey by what they see on his website or hear in his music. And yet, this guy is now up on first-degree murder. You know, we need to be aware of what young people out there in the world, what their minds are absorbing. They've been fed by these purveyors of evil. And... You may say this is an extreme case, but we have been down this road before many times. You remember Charles Manson and the Sharon Kate murders? This mixture of science fiction, drugs, alcohol, horror, carry, seems to carry the individual into a... a, a a fictitious world without God. And this is very dangerous. I've said it before, the mind is the great spiritual battlefield. Satan wants to get young people's minds. The devil is called the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2.2, 2, and the ruler of the darkness of this world, Ephesians 6.12. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. And he's devouring a lot of young people with this kind of music. In Romans 12, 2, we're told to have our minds renewed by the renewing of our minds. B 
be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of our minds through the Holy Spirit. And so we need to we need to be aware of what's happening out there. And the type of music, and we see it on t-shirts and all the rest of it, that people wear dragging people's minds down into the mire. Romans 1 verse 12, the Bible warns that those who do not retain God in their knowledge are given over to a reprobate mind. Anything that takes the place of God in man's hearts and in man's minds and in man's life is an idol. God hates idols as we, we said last week. And just I wanted to say those things just to, to remind us again as to the battle we're fighting. Spiritual battles going on in young people's lives today. Now, please turn to Deuteronomy chapter 23. We're just going to read a few verses. We, we have spoken on this chapter before. There are lots of rules and battles about warfare and various laws but we're going on to uh, verse 21 Deuteronomy 23 and when thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God thou shalt not slack to pay it for the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee and it would be sin in thee. But if thou shalt forbear to vow, it shall be no sin in thee. That which is gone out of thy lips, thou shalt keep and perform even a free will offering. According as thou hast vowed unto the Lord thy God, which thou hast promised with thy mouth just those uh, three verses when thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God you know in everyday life we're all aware of the necessity if and when we go to court that before we may witness or say anything in the court before the judge we have to make a vow a solemn promise and an affirmation to speak the truth. I swear by Almighty God that the evidence I shall give is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing, nothing but the truth, so help me God. Said it many times in court. And if any person fails in the keeping of that oath or vow in court, the due weight of the law will bear down on them. Perjury. It's very serious in the courts of our land to perjure oneself. And, you know, if it is regarded in our criminal courts in our land as such a serious act, criminal act, how much more serious it is for us to make a vow to Almighty God 
and then fail to keep it. Sadly, of course, as we have seen in the last few weeks even, with the uh, Attorney General and others, society does not place as much weight on making and keeping vows as it did in former years. Times, times are changing. What does the, the usual uh, wedding ceremony, for instance, say? In the presence of God and before this congregation, and they make their vows. How quickly that, that solemn vow is forgotten. How easily so many today forget their vows made during the wedding ceremony and discard them, quite often repeating them in exactly the same form again in a few years' time with a new partner. It's interesting that the, the start of chapter 24, which we shall look at in, uh, again some some the future, it starts off with this putting away of one's wife. So it, it ties in very nicely with this keeping vows and the law of divorce. Here's what the NASB, New American Standard Bible, says. <clears throat> it just makes it a little bit clearer. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it. For it would be sin in you, and the Lord your God will surely require it of you. However, if you refrain from vowing, it would not be sin in you. You shall be careful to perform what goes out from your lips, just as you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised. You see, if for any reason a vow was made to God, it had to be kept. There was no ifs and buts. No doubts. You must adhere to what you have vowed. And that promptly, it says. Don't delay. It shall not be a case of procrastination, leaving it uh, to the next day. Remember, Years ago, there used to be a firm that sold little round discs that you could give to people, uh, people who procrastinated, and they called them round toots. It was for people who kept putting things off until tomorrow, tomorrow until they got round to it. And we all are a bit like this, but if we are making a vow to God, it says here, you must fulfill it, no procrastination. But if, on the other hand, you hadn't made a vow to God to fulfill and had failed to complete the desire which is, was in your heart, you always you were going to do something and you wanted to do it, but you didn't vow to God to do it. Well, if you didn't do that, that wasn't a sin. It's when you made that vow to God, that particular vow. To sum it up, you shall be careful to perform what goes out from your lips, just as you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God. You've voluntarily vowed a vow to God. Well, if you have, you have to keep that promise. 
You know, we all procrastinate. We all put off to doing today what we should do and put it off until tomorrow. And I was looking at this and I remembered a little poem from years back. Tomorrow, he promised his conscience. Tomorrow, I mean to believe. Tomorrow, I'll think as I ought to. Tomorrow, my Saviour receive. Tomorrow, I'll conquer the habits that hold me from heaven away. But his conscience repeated one word. And only one today. Tomorrow, 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 thus day after day it went on. Tomorrow, 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 till youth, like a vision, was gone. Till age and his passions had written the message of fate on his brow. And forth from the shadows came death with the pitiless syllable, now, now. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. The Bible talks about that. Proverbs 27, verse 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Be, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. The psalmist constantly reminds us that God is a God of today. Psalm 95 verse 7 For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand today if you will hear his voice. We want to hear God speaking to us today. Sadly many people put off believing on the Lord Jesus Christ until tomorrow. Tomorrow. Thus day after day it went on Tomorrow, 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 till youth, like a vision, had gone. God promises us forgiveness when we repent. But he has not promised it tomorrow. He has promised it to us today. If you should wake some faithful day before his throne and hear him say, I am the way you did not take, although I died once for your sake. I am the truth you did not heed. I am the light you would not see now darkness for eternity. You cannot say I did not know. He plainly wrote and told you so. And if you would not read his word, the word still stands. Thus saith the Lord. People leave off believing on the Lord Jesus Christ until tomorrow. 
But the Bible says, now is the day of salvation. And Christians, we as Christians also procrastinate. And this reminds us, these few verses, that God requires of us what we say with our lips. That we shall not delay in fulfilling our vows. So often we hear of people in tragic circumstances and they say, well, I prayed. But then as soon as all that was over, how soon they forget and slip back into their everyday way of life. We want to look at some instances of people who made vows in scripture. We're only just a few. And the first one I want to look at is, is Psalm 116. Turn to Psalm 116. And this is really quite a beautiful psalm. It gives a wonderful picture of a man who had called upon God and made a vow and fulfilled it. And what a joy he had in so doing that. And he, he fulfilled it, not in secret, but before all his friends and neighbours. I was just thinking about this kind of a man. If we had him in our churches today, he would be a great encouragement to the rest of us. If we had someone like this. I'm going to read the whole psalm. It's only got 19 verses and it's quite short. But listen to it. don't really need to say anything about this psalm. It speaks for itself. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplication, because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Standing up in the assembly or in the meeting and reading this psalm out, you can imagine somebody. It would encourage you and it should encourage us this morning. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now 
in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of God's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. And then he would sit down and we'd all give thanks to God for such a wonderful testimony that he had given of his God. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Oh, if we could pay our vows and be thankful and give thanks to God for his goodness to us day by day in the way that psalmist has recorded it there, it would be wonderful. Now, I want to turn to First uh, Samuel chapter 1 and we have a story that everyone knows we know the story of Samuel's birth we know the story of uh, Hannah Elkanah had two wives there was Hannah of course and there was Peninnah now they didn't get on too well, these two wives. Benina had children, but Hannah was barren. No children. Despite the fact that Elkanah seemed to love Hannah, doesn't say that he loved Benina. Nevertheless, they lived together, and Benina used to have a go at Hannah every now and again because she had no children. And this grieved poor old Hannah. And if you go to verse 9, they go to go up to Shiloh to offer sacrifices to God. 1 Samuel 1.9 So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli, the priest, sat upon the seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. She slipped out, went up to the temple. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and she wept. Oh, she had these problems. She, and she vowed a vow and said see nobody had made her make this vow she did it voluntarily she vowed a vow and said O Lord of hosts if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man child then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. He was going to be a special 
gift to the Lord vowed by Hannah. And then we know the story. She continued praying and Eli was looking to see at this woman and he thought she was drunk. And he went to her in verse 14. How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. How mistaken he was. Oh no, no, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have neither drunk wine nor strong drink. I poured out my soul in sorrow and anguish before the Lord. Don't count your daughter as a sinful daughter of Belial. For because I feel so strongly about this, I have spoken to the Lord. And Eli realized his mistake. Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she made her, uh, said her goodbyes and went off went back home came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son God answered her prayers she had a son she called him Samuel saying because I have asked him of the Lord and then they used to go up uh, to the temple every year but Hannah didn't go she said no I will not go until the child be weaned and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever could you imagine this woman hadn't had a child she had her only son here a little boy a little baby and she promised him to the Lord. I wonder what thoughts went through her mind. I don't think she flinched. She had made a vow to the Lord. And Kana said, Do what seemeth good to you. Tarry now until the, the baby's weaned. Only the Lord establish his word. So, the woman abode gave her son suck until she weaned him. Then, then the thing came. The time had come for her to fulfill her vow before the Lord. They brought a sacrifice. They went up to Shiloh. And the woman said, O oh my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood here before thee, praying unto the Lord. Eli, she was explaining that she was the woman that you thought was drunk. The Lord's answered me, answered my prayer, and here I am with my little boy. Therefore, also I have lent him to the Lord, as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? 
Oh, we might have said, oh, you know, let's keep him for another year or two. Wait till he's about 16 and then he'll be ready to do something. It won't be very useful. No, that didn't come into it. She was prepared to fulfill her vow and what a wonderful life Samuel had. The wonderful things that he did throughout his life. A wonderful prophet of the Lord. All because this woman had fulfilled her vow at the right time and in the right way. What a beautiful picture of fulfilling a vow at the right time. And we know how God spoke to little Samuel. Speak, Lord, he said, for thy servant heareth. May each one of us hear the voice of God speaking to us and be willing to fulfill his word in our lives. And now one more, we'll just turn to Acts chapter 4. The New Testament, we'll go over to the New Testament and we come to Acts chapter 4. And we'll read from verse 34. The church was growing and people who had possessions were, were selling them off, bringing the money to the apostles for the distribution to those who were less well off than they were. There was no compulsion on the people. People were doing it out of the fullness of their hearts, bringing the money, giving it to the Lord through the apostles. Verse 34, Neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands and houses sold them, brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And various people it gives examples of what they did. Now there's no compulsion on this but a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. It would appear that instead of giving all the money, they decided that they would keep back some for themselves, but they were quite prepared to let the apostles believe that they were giving the whole lot. There was deceit and deception here kept part of the price his wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles feet but Peter said Ananias why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own, in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto man, but unto God. Oh, it's a, this is a very solemn lesson to us all, that we do not seek. Never mind deceiving men, 
people seek to deceive God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down, gave up the ghost, he died. And great fear came upon everybody because of the action God had taken in this particular case. The young man arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. But Sapphira didn't know anything about this. After about three hours she came in, didn't know what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. Oh yeah, that's right, that's what we did. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then she down, she fell down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. The young man came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon all as many as heard these things. The principle that had been laid down in Deuteronomy came into operation in deceiving the Holy Spirit. They had agreed to lie to the Holy Spirit and not fulfill the vow that they had made to God. And that's it. Make sure when we vow and a vow to God and undertake to do something before Him that we fulfill it and fulfill it without procrastination. God is a God of now, a God of today. What did I say? He has promised us repentance and salvation from our sins today, not tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. May God help us to live holy lives before him day by day. To fulfill our promises today and to live before him in humility. Micah 6 verse 8 He hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God.